Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch and Joel and Victoria Osteen host actor, director, and producer Tyler Perry. They discuss Tyler's remarkable testimony of stepping into his true identity in Christ and how that propelled him into his purpose and destiny. Welcome Tyler Perry to his own studio. Make welcome Joel and Victoria Osteen. Come on now. We are talking about higher is waiting, and we're going to get into that on this broadcast. We're going to be hearing from, uh, I woke up to Hope in the hotel today, and I was watching your broadcast this morning, Joel. Uh, Tyler, um, can you can you just, I know you're going to, don't hit me, okay? You're a big guy, don't hit me. Can, but can Medea just say hi? Can you just... To the TV and audience, come on up. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> the church announcements for today is as follows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you do her at any time in any circumstance? It's kind of better with the costume, but yeah. But yeah you just, can break into it. Yeah, anytime, anytime. <laughs> she'll be over there, she'll be over there at Lakewood once they get a smoking section. <laughs> Are you ever concerned you're not going to be able to control that one day? <laughs> please, Lord. Please, please, Lord. Please let me always be in control of that in the back of my head. Please, please. Because she is the PG version of my mother and my aunt. Okay. No, those women, those women, they're the NC-17 version. I'm Got telling it. you, you don't... All you I know is that I want to grow old with you because I want to see you about 80. <laughs> That's going to be... I am determined to not be her age playing her, though. I'm telling you that right yeah. now. He's not, not going to do it. I, I love it. The praise program all hour long. Joel and Victoria Osteen and Tyler Perry. I don't know. Maybe we start back. Uh, you know, you, you didn't dream you would be here today. Maybe, you know, give us a little bit of your background and how you grew up. And, uh, you know, somebody's listening today and saying, wow, great. You're at Tyler Perry's and you got all this stuff going on in your life, Joel, but I'm not there. Yeah. You know, maybe some inspiration because you didn't start. This is not where... You know, if you looked at the statistics back then, you wouldn't be sitting in a studio and the most successful African-American filmmaker in history. Never dream, but you know what? God has something in you. Yeah, for sure. People look at the now and they don't look at the what I went through. Mm. And if you miss the through and look at the now, you tend to, to sometimes find yourself in, in envy of it or jealous of it. But if you look at the struggle and the walk, and it was very, very difficult. I, I came from a, a home that was... Um, you know, my mother was uh, uh, 17 years, 16 years old when she met my father. He lied to her and said that he was uh, rich and he was going to take her away from the small town of Louisiana. They end up getting married and end up in New Orleans. And at 18, she's married, finds out he didn't, have, he wasn't rich. He didn't have a ranch in Texas. He had nothing to offer her. And there she was, uh, married to this man, broke, live in a, in a nightclub trying to find somewhere for them to live. And at 18, she's pregnant with my sister, and then at 19 with my other sister, and I can tell she was trying to stop. Then around 24, I'm born into it. I'm born into this chaos and this hell between the two of them because they were just both very, very wounded people, and they were trying to raise a wounded child. Uh, My father had been abused since he was a kid, so he would beat my mother, he would beat me. He was just a man who was very, very um, violent and dark, and... But, 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 but of his own issues. And looking at it from this point again, looking at it from the now, where I am now, I understand it. And I was able to forgive it because I understand it. But coming through that and then growing up in New Orleans and having friends this during the 80s when there was an AIDS epidemic and we would go to church and every, every Sunday someone would die. Wow. I, I would go to school and someone would be murdered. Every day we'd go to school and one of his classmates was murdered. There wasn't any grief counseling. Nobody told you how to deal with it. Uh, I didn't think I was going to live to see 30 because everybody that I know had known was either in jail or they had died. Wow. So uh, I'm, I'm going through all of this, but in the midst of it, I have a mother mm, come on. who taught me about Jesus, Come on, Andy. who taught me about faith, wow. who taught me about God, who wouldn't let me give up on it. And, and I, have to, I have these extremes in my family because my mother was the type of Christian that believed at her level. Because on Friday night, 
you know, she was drinking and smoking and playing cards. But Sunday morning, she's like, come on, baby, we're going to church, you know? Then I had another aunt who was a demon-chasing, tongue-speaking, fire and brimstone, who believed at her level. So I found myself with this balance of finding that God, knowing God and understanding God and living in truth and living the life that God wants you to. It's also about living in balance, you know, not being too far either way, but just walking the path of faith that God wants and has for you, you know? Yeah. That makes sense? Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. amazing. You know, I was, Tyler's got a book out. It's called uh, Higher is Waiting. It's so inspirational. Tyler, you're a preacher too. I know you know that. But uh, you know what? That one chapter I was reading, it just oh, goes. Oh, Lord, pray for <laughs> No, it was called uh, Breaking Patterns. And it's interesting you said that because my father was raised during the Great Depression and they were very poor. It wasn't, wasn't your situation, I'm not comparing it, but he was raised very, very poor. And later in life, maybe in his 40s, my father started started thinking about all the things his parents didn't give him. Man, I didn't get a good upbringing, didn't get a, you know, he kind of let it all build up and he was gonna go back and kind of let them have it. Mm. And he said, I guess it was, I guess he said the Lord, something spoke to him down in here. He said, he said John, what if you were in their shoes? Mm. What if you were raised in the Great Depression? What if you didn't have any money? So basically saying, you know, not making excuse for people, but you know, the people that, that raised you, they didn't get what they should have gotten. Right. But somebody's got to rise up and break the pattern. Yeah. Somebody's got to say, like you did, say, I'm going to set a new standard for my family. That's what my father did. Rather than blaming the past and saying, well, I've got an excuse to be bitter, to be angry, to be dysfunctional, you know, not making, not making light of any of that. But I love people like you that says, you know what? I'm not going to pass that on down to my children. Yeah. You broke the, the broke the pattern. You have any thoughts about that? About breaking the pattern? Yeah. Well, well, it came down to forgiveness of my father and how how important that. Well, forgiveness is so important. But people always ask, how did you do that? How did you do that? And the one thing I came, I always come back to is first of all, praying, lots of prayer. But also, the thing that opened it up for me is one day I sat down and asked, "What happened to you?" And he said something to me that blew my mind. He said. He couldn't answer it. He said, third grade education, but he said, you don't know what happened to me. And I said, no, I don't. So share it with me. He couldn't share it. So I started asking other family members to kind of describe his life. And once I was able to understand and separate myself from being his son and all the things that he didn't give and all the tools that he didn't have, he had been sent out on a journey in life with a suitcase with no tools to raise a child, no tools to be a husband. It's like going on a business trip with an empty suitcase and you've got nothing that you need to make it through the night. So once I understood that, I was able to give him the benefit of the doubt and, and allow him to not just be the man that raised me, but to be a human being who had many, many flaws, many, many struggles, a lot of pain. And once I understood that, I, I said, okay, God, what he did is still wrong, but I am able to forgive him because of his background and his history. And I, and I told this to, there's also a letter in there I wrote to, to a friend of mine who was very upset with his father because his father wasn't there and the father couldn't give him things. But I told him, your father taught you in reverse. If you do the opposite of what he did, you have your answer on how to be a good husband, wow. how to be a good father. So I learned in reverse. Wow, that's so powerful. And so, Tyler, um, you know, getting, getting to where you are now, but that, that wasn't easy. I mean, Matt, you were with Tyler, or, you know, back in 1999. So take yeah, that up. We, we, we met uh, way back, and, and um, at some point when we would have met, you were, you were not the steward over giant studios. You didn't have hit after hit. You didn't have a new number one New York Times bestselling book. You didn't have some of those things. And we met, you know, about 1999. Uh, but you have a chapter in your book about asking. Mm -hmm. uh, how, do we, how do we start asking for something and not think that we're being selfish about something? You know, for me, I, I, I go by what's, what's burning inside me, what's on my heart, what's, what's in my soul. Like, I, I feel like we all have a candle that we're given to carry, this little light of mine my mother used to sing about. We all have this light, and that light is your destiny. That light is the thing that's gonna lead you to your path. What is that in your own life? So, so I always wanted to ask in alignment to what that light was. There have been many times when I was struggling and homeless and broke and out on the street and didn't have anything and any food, and, 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 and $20 would have made the difference between me, wow. me, me having food for a week or not, but that light, that compass, that, that, that was always there, was always say, for me, I know now it was the voice of God and the light of God and the light of Christ saying, you know what? You're gonna be okay, just pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. So what I would ask, I would always ask according to the light. 
Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would ask God to do things according to what the way this light was shining or whichever direction it was. It was a light unto my feet. So whichever way it was leading me to, that is what I'd ask. And I write in the book about this, about, you know, back in the day before there were flashlights on your cell phone, I would get up in the middle of the night. I didn't want to wake anybody up. So I'd, I'd, I'd use the light from the cell phone to walk through the house. So I've got this little bit of light and I couldn't see in front of me just, just far enough to walk two or three steps. And I think that's what walking by faith is sometimes because walking by faith can be very uncomfortable. And, and if when you're walking by faith and you're asking by faith, sometimes you don't have the whole picture. You wow. just have this little bit of light and you just have to keep moving forward. Your story about the light also made me think of a Sunday school uh, teacher I heard said, um, one of the little students in the Sunday school class said, teacher, can we sing that cussing song? Hmm. And he goes, no, we can't sing a cussing song. He goes, no, that cussing song. Let's do the cussing song, you know? He goes, that little light of mine. No, no, no. Hide it under a bush? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's that's your Aunt Mother's version. That's that's our version. For sure, that's our version. The dude can use that. Yeah, yeah, that's that little light of mine. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You know, I want to ask something because, like Joel said at the opening, that, you know, everyone sees the now. Mm -hmm. They don't see the then. And I think with everyone has faced this before, and you, you talk about it in your book, about feeling worthy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so often things can happen to us and we don't feel worthy yeah. or we make excuses. You know, well, I can't do this because this happened to me. Right. And I'm just, how did you overcome that feeling of not feeling worthy? You, you wrote about it in your book. The, the, I didn't even know I had a gift to write. So when I started writing my first characters, I, I had, I kept thinking, um, you know, why is, I would write a, a line and the character would say, I'm moving over here. And I would say, well, why is the character moving over there? So you always search for the motivation. So my writing became my therapy. I started searching for the motivation in everything in my life. And I started thinking about my mother, how, how she stayed with this man. No matter what happened, she would not leave. She stayed by his side, and she loved him to the day she died. She loved and I just couldn't understand why she would stay in this abuse. And I, I, I had come to a point where I was doing pretty well. I could have moved her out of the house. She still stayed. And then one day, I'm praying, like, God, what is this? And the, the word came to me, she didn't feel worthy. Wow. And if you live in a place where you don't feel worthy, then you can't allow any good thing to come into your life. Every good thing, you find a way to self-sabotage it in the back of your mind. You may be saying, oh, yes, I want this for sure. I want this for sure. But, but, but that unworthiness, and that comes from what something mama said or daddy said or childhood or bullying or abuse. So you carry all of that into adulthood and you don't feel worthy. And I, I, in searching my own motivations, I realized very early on that I, I, wasn't, I didn't think I was worthy until I learned in the Word that I'm worthy because God says you're worthy. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's, if, if God gave you the breath in your body, then that makes you worthy. Yes. And just that alone took a lot of the guilt out of it for me, you know? And understanding that His thoughts toward us are pure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to give us a hope. You know, those things are very, very important. And, and I think that if more people could understand, that's why another reason I wanted to write the book is just get to worthy. Just get, no matter what you do, get to worthy. Let worthy be the focus. That doesn't mean you're arrogant. That doesn't mean you're cocky. What that means is that you believe what God says about yes. you. Preach. Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. We're talking with our friend Tyler Perry at the Tyler Perry Studios. But, you know, as, as, as a pastor of Tyler, that's, that we deal with that so much because yeah. people... You know, life beats you down. Isn't it exhausting, though? Can I just ask you as a pastor? I mean, you stand there Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and you give all this word, give all this word, and then you've got people that come and they say, I just need, I just need this, I just need that. But didn't you just hear the sermon? It's got to be a little bit exhausting because, because if they would just take it in, take the word, let it become life to them, it doesn't always happen all, all at once. Yeah. But it's got to be exhausting. Yeah. I'm not going to get you to admit it. I'm not going to get you to admit it. Oh, it's a no. blessing. It's just a blessing. Amen. Amen. Didn't think it's going to turn around on you. One of my favorites is when somebody comes up and you've just given them 30 minutes. He says, you have a word for me today after the service. And I said, I just gave you 30 minutes. I, just, I, just gave, 30 minutes I gave you my best. Pick but... one. Pick one. All of the words I just gave. Yeah. But you know what? I do think life beats you down. And if, especially, you know, I was raised by two good parents. And I, I think about some people. They didn't. Maybe they had two parents but they weren't speaking life into them. They were, you know, telling them what they couldn't become or just life in general. But, I, you know, we all have a recording playing in our mind. Mm-hmm. And some people don't realize the recording is wrong. 
Yeah. Because they grew up with people yeah. that didn't teach them the right things. So it's, it's, I'm not attractive, I'm not talented, I can't do what they did, you know, and I'm, I'm not worthy. They're saying, until you, until you change that recording, you'll never reach your destiny. Yeah. You gotta go back to plug it in, you are who God says you are, yeah. not who people say you are. And God says you're blessed, you're yeah. valuable. In Ephesians, he calls you a masterpiece. Mm. And I think you get that down on the, in the, on the inside. And again, it's not an arrogance. Mm. It's not I'm better than somebody else. It's just I know who I am. I'm yeah. a child of the Most High God. Mm. I'm yeah. not here by accident. Yeah. You know, God breathed life into me. God breathed life into each one of us. But I really think that's the first step to, to stepping up to become who you were created to be, to, to know that God breathed life into you. I mean, the scripture says he's crowned us with favor that we have his you know, royal blood flowing through our veins. So you know, if you can change that recording, Beautiful. You know, turn off the old, plug in the new. You, know, you are who God says you are, valuable, talented, one of a kind, a masterpiece. I'm not supposed to be preaching this. <laughs> no, 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 you know, I, I think the, what I love is what Tyler said. That's good. I love what Tyler said, examine the motivation behind it. Right. I think that can help a lot of people yes. because when you're saying I'm not this and I'm not that, it becomes an excuse. Right. And that excuse, it allows you not to yeah. be. So I think that's a real key point to help the, people. The motivation, is, what, what is, is the motivation? your motivation? Why yeah. can't you do it? Right. Who right. told you, right. you know, and is it true? And just begin to, and that's what you said you did with your writing right. and your and letters. My life, yeah. Dis discovered in you things that you never dreamed that were in there. Yeah, but also, also you couple that with fear because there's a fear of, like when I forgave my father, I was empty. I remember yelling and screaming on the phone. I just had it out with him. I just, I, I couldn't do it in person because I still felt like I was a two-year-old in front of him. Wow. But we were on the phone and we were wow. yelling and screaming. I was saying everything I want to say. And after I got off the phone, I forgave him. And I was left empty. The, the forgiveness will rip something out of you. I mean, wow. it will rip it out of you like a weight, like 30, 40, 50 pounds wow. out of you. And the scary part of it was I didn't realize that my disdain for him was my fuel. Wow. I was operating from a negative, dark wow. place. That was my fuel for my motivation to succeed. I'll show you. You said this, I'll show you I'm not that. You said this, I'll show you I'm better than that. So that was my fuel. So once that was gone, see, people hold on to forgiveness because it's easy. It becomes wow. easy. to uh, Unforgiveness becomes easy. So there I was holding on to this. And when I, when I realized I had forgiven him, my source of fuel was gone. Wow. I had to find another source. It's like having a car and putting unleaded fuel in it when it runs on regular yeah. or, or, or diesel. So you got an engine that had been built to run on diesel and now all of a sudden you got to put on lead of fuel and what do you do? Wow. So for me, it was going back to the foundation of my motivation, as you said, of, of how do I, okay, this happened, this is how I feel. And I don't, listen, I don't lie to God and I don't lie to myself. I, how do you feel? I'm very honest, this is how I feel about it. this is how this affected me, this is where I am. Okay, now what do you do to get up? Yeah. So turning that, taking that negativity of I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll show you into I am what God says I am. Yeah. You know, this blessing is for me. This gift is for me. I can do this because God said I can, because his word said I can. Once I made the shift, my whole life changed. You know, my whole life changed. It, I love what you said, Tyler, about um, I had to separate the sin from the person. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a part of healing in our lives today is we can find somebody that is going to beat us down yeah. all of our childhood, whatever happened, you can become a victim of that and never achieve, you know, let them blow out your candle yeah. and never achieve what you're supposed to in life. But I think the, that such a key is to separate the sin from the person, the hurt from the person. That's how Jesus did it. He said, Father, forgive them for they know yeah. not what they do. He had to separate the, the person that God made in his image you know, to understand that. But you were talking about everyone has a candle. Yeah. And um, how do we protect the dreams that God's put in our lives? You know what I started doing? I started hiding it. I, talk, I think I talk about that in the book too because there were dream killers. There were people all around who didn't want me to succeed. Wow. So I started hiding my light. I would tell them, I'm going to do this. I'll never forget it. And my mother loved me, and she would hate that I'm saying this. I, my mother loved me dearly, but one day the play had failed, and uh, I used her credit card to... to, uh, to oh, dear. Oh, we've all done that. Oh, dear. I, yeah, I, I used her credit card to, uh, to charter the band, to, to rent the band, to drive up to do the play, and came back, and the bill was $300, and I couldn't pay it, and she was furious, because $300 on the credit card to my mother, it may as well have been $30 million. So 
so she's, she's arguing with me. She's so mad. She's sitting there smoking, and she said, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. Give up that place stuff. Go to the phone company. Get you a good job. Make you about $300 a week, and you're going to be all right. Get you some benefits. That's all you need. And she didn't see me sitting behind her. Tears were falling from my oh. face. And then she turned around, the blood drained from her face. She said, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't, she didn't get it. But her dream for me was her dream. Wow. So where she came from, the phone company and everything, that's, that was a reality. But when God has something else for you, yes. it's a whole different thing. So, so I'm sitting there with the woman that I love most in this world. And I, I'm sharing my dream. And I felt like there was a chip at it. So I started hiding it and protecting it. And even, even this place was kind of hard to hide. Yeah, let me sit it over here and protect it and nurture it right. while it's fledgling yeah. so that it can find its feet and grow because it's been such a blessing to so many people. So it's very, I, I think, very important that, that if you are sharing your dream with a lot of people and you're getting a lot of negativity and naysayers saying that you can't, you can't, you'll never do it, even if that person is in your house and in your bed that you've been married to for years, sometimes you have to hold that and go, okay, I'm going to keep this bit over here mm-hmm. for myself and I'm going to dream this dream. Wow. I don't know if that's biblical. You might want to attack that. No, no, but, um, it is. But, we can ask Joseph. Yeah, you're right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's you know, right. That's right. You know, maybe, maybe like you said, if Joseph wouldn't have announced what God, yeah. you know, his brothers wouldn't have done that. There's another place in the scripture, and I'm not the theologian, but there's another place that talks about the, the hidden petitions of your heart, the secret petitions of your heart. Mm. You know, I talk about Tyler sometimes. Ask God for those secret petitions. Don't ask anybody else because yeah, they won't right. believe you. They'll think you're going to do that. Even when I, when I stepped up to minister, I had never ministered before 1999. My dad had a heart attack, and I felt like I was supposed to step up and pastor the church. And I got up and did my best, but I was so nervous, and I was, every voice was saying, you're not a minister. You hadn't been to seminary. You don't have the personality and all that. But, you know, I would, I would encourage myself. And first couple of Sundays, I did okay because people loved my parents. But I was out in the front lobby. One, yeah, my parents, thank God. But one Sunday, I was out in the oh, lobby. Oh, he doing his best. Y'all clap for him. <laughs> Yeah. You, know when they, you know when they say, bless his heart, bless you're not doing heart. good. So I was out in the front lobby, and I was already so insecure. After service, I'd just spoken like my second time, and I heard these two older ladies. They were in front of me. They didn't know I was behind him. And one of them kind of whispered, he's not as good as his dad. Mm. And somebody else said, you know, I don't think it's going to make it. I mean, that was like mm. somebody announced it. I mean, that's like the worst thing I could possibly hear. But, you know, I look back now, and thank God I made it, but I look back now and I realize... You know, those are times of testing. Mm. You know, God could have kept them away from me, but when I heard that, it's like, oh, a dagger. Mm. Oh, they already thought I wasn't good, and then I hear it from them. But you know what I do is, you know what I was saying earlier, you gotta reprogram your mind. Yeah. Every Saturday night, I'd, I'd be so nervous for Sunday morning, I'd look at myself in the mirror and say, Joel, you are anointed. Come on, you can man. do all things yeah. through Christ. Yeah. You are strong in the Lord. This is your time. See, I've learned you can talk yourself out of your dreams, or you can talk yourself into your dreams. Yeah. You know, if you'll, if you'll talk to yourself the right way, and it's not just psyching yourself up, it's getting in, in, getting in agreement with the creator of the universe. I love what you're saying. You said you, you prayed according to that light. I mean, that's the destiny God puts in all of us. And I think sometimes we're waiting for God to speak like he did in the Ten Commandments, right. but God's speaking to us all the time yeah. just by leading us and guiding us. And so I just encourage you, you know, put the right thoughts in you. You know, people may have pushed you, pushed you down, but God wants to lift you up. He wants to take you places you've never dreamed. And even, even myself, Tyler, and I'm gonna get off of me, but I didn't, I didn't think this was in me. Mm. See, I was behind the scenes 17 years. I was running camera and doing the production. My dad tried to get me to minister, but I thought, I'm not a minister. What would I, what would I say? But God, that through the death of my father, it was that adversity that pushed me into the next level of my destiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we won't move on our own, God is so gracious, he'll use adversity to push us there. Wow. And, you know, and I, and I love what you're talking about too. You know, all those experiences, they're getting you prepared for where you're going right now. I mean, the 17 years I was behind the scenes doing the production for my father, every time he spoke a message, I would have to listen to it four or five times because I needed to edit it down to, he spoke 40 minutes, I'd have to cut it down to 25 minutes. Well, I look back now and realize that those 17 years, God was getting me prepared for what I'm doing right now. So God is getting you prepared. You may think, well, I'm just going to work each day or I'm just um, raising my kids. But every day you do your best, you pass the test. You don't know where God is going to take you. 
He's going to open up some new doors. I mean, just Tyler driving up into these studios. I know I said it earlier, but you know, this is a complex. This is not something little. This is not a building over somewhere, but this is a, an amazing complex. Tell us, um, I guess I, go, I keep going back to the dreams God put in you and how they're bigger than, you know, than, than we have for our own life. But sitting here today, tell us a little bit. This used to be an army complex. Yeah. And how did it all work out? It was, it was Fort McPherson Army Base, but I'm gonna go back to something you just said okay. is with, with encouraging yourself. It is so important that you, you encourage yourself because in this day and time, in this day of social media, in this day where you are bombarded with yeah. negativity yeah. constantly, every minute, every second, no matter, you don't even have to look for it. It is, it, it, it finds you right. and you carry it on your person. Sometimes it's in a pocket close to your heart. Yeah. The, you pull your phone out and there it is close there to your heart. You have got to, you have got to encourage yourself and protect yourself from all the negativity because if you let all of that in, it's very hard to find yourself worthy, find yourself believing and and knowing that you can. So when I first came here, the the last studio, uh, I'll tell you this story real quick. The last studio was over on Greenbrier, uh, the Greenbrier, near Greenbrier Mall. And I went there one night and, you know, the neighborhood, the place was all run down. It was horrible. I was like, I'm not buying this place. I went home and couldn't sleep, tossed and turned. And I know that's God. Because I usually sleep pretty good. I can snore really good. I can get it in. And I went back, and I said, I don't need this place. I'll never outgrow it. It's too big. I'll, I'll never. And I went back late at night, and I'm standing there in front of the gates. And I'm, I'm, I get out of the car. I say, okay, God, what are you telling me? And I started praying. And I look at the gates. My hand to God, this happened. I look at the gates, and they are, there's paper taped to the gates. I walk up closer to it, and they're Bible scriptures taped to the gates. Wow. And my favorite, Psalm 91, is there. Wow, man. I'm like, okay, God, you're speaking to me. I'm, I'm just going to do it. So I called them the next day and said that I want to buy the place. I was like, no, it's not for sale. Some pastor from New Orleans had bought it. This was, this was not long after Katrina. Some pastor from New Orleans had bought it. He's going to try to pastor from New Orleans. So I called Bishop Paul Morton, Paul Morton, who was my childhood pastor. I said, do you know anything about this? He said, oh, that's God. I was just there yesterday. We don't want the entire place. We just want, there's a building on the other side that we want, and all the property that you want, uh, you, can, you can go ahead and buy, and, and we can work this thing out, and it will really be helpful to the church. Wow. So I bought it. I'm set, I said, I'm never going to outgrow it. Wow. Two years later, it, we're all over each other. Not enough room for anything. Called the mayor, say I'm leaving. He said, well, come take a look at this place. I don't want, I'm not going to say anything. So we came to the Army base, Fort McPherson Army base. We're driving around, and I'm looking at this place, and... The first time in my life, I didn't feel overwhelmed because God had given me the steps to get here. Wow. God, God is, I thank God he didn't take me here first and go, yeah. this is where you're going. Mm-hmm. I went from a little building to a building that was bigger to a building. I had to grow into it. Thank God that he allowed me to grow into it because I don't know what would have happened mm-hmm. had it all been just thrown at me. So I, I came here. Uh, it had been abandoned for seven years. The army had moved out. It was overrun and a mess and bought the place. And every day... People don't know this, but when they come in and they're standing on these stages or they're walking around or they're riding or they're moving all through, there's Bibles buried everywhere. Come on now. When you, when you come through the gates, you're, you're riding across the word. When you leave, you're come going across the word. When you're standing in the lobby, you're standing on the word. When you're on one of those come stages, the word has been planted under, under the foundation. Wow. Because, because for me, that's what, it's built, that's what it has been built on, you know, the word and just believing. So, so having this moment, Get a place where thousands of people lived. Many, many people died, and families, and pain, and hurt, and army, and, and uh, you know, who were in the in the military and, and armed servicemen. To have this be given to me and to be responsible for it, it's huge, yeah. and I'm grateful on so many levels. It's, it's a, it's been a burden. <laughs> but it's been a tremendous blessing. And I don't know anybody who has not had a tremendous blessing that didn't come with some sort of a burden. So wow. I'm trying to do my best on it. Wow. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. You know, he, I was going to say he lives what you preaches, but you're not a preacher, but you, you just exemplify, you know, giving back and just... Uh, being a person of inspiration. But uh, Victoria, we were talking during the break. That was a great question. Yeah, you know, Tyler, you talked about your mother taking you to church. And she did the best she could yeah. with what she had. Yeah. But I just wanted to ask this question. You know, there's a lot of people out there that they don't know how to take their kids to church. Maybe their kids don't want to go to church. Do you have any anything that you could say about that Which for Which is moms? so scary right now because, because here's what I know for sure. The, the Bible says you get a few days on this earth and some of those days are full of trouble. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. 
there's going to be trouble in your life. If you don't teach your child how to deal with trouble, they will turn to something. We've got an opioid crisis. We've got drugs, major drug issues. So if you're not going to give them God and faith and Christ and believing and teaching them about the Bible, where do you think they're going to turn? Yep. So I would, I, would, I would ask in an appeal to parents, even if you are not big on faith or church or you have problems with the church, take your children to church. Yeah. Teach them about God. Even if you don't know, let somebody else teach them. But take them to Sunday school. Listen, we got dragged if we didn't want to go. So yes. especially when you're at an age, in the early age, because the Bible says, you know, when they're older, they won't depart from it if you train them in the way that they should go. So I think it's very important. And, and it's, it is so selfish of those of us who have God, who know God, to not invite others mm-hmm. to bring their children to learn the same thing. It's really, really selfish because I promise you, if you don't give them God, they're going to turn to something. Yeah. yeah. They're going to turn to something. And wouldn't it just, isn't it just better that it's God yeah. and faith? Yeah. You ain't got to worry about being strung out on it. Come on. Huh? Although some people are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's really, it's, it, you, you, have to, you have to really think about that. Yeah. I heard a, a pastor question. friend, Tyler, the other day in Houston say, He's talking to his congregation about taking your children to church. My, my parents never forced us to come because we wanted to come because the church was exciting and I had all my friends there. But I realized that's not always the case. But this pastor made this point. I thought it was good. He said, uh, you know, when your kids get up tomorrow, Monday morning to go to school, you're going to give them an option. Yeah. You know, and nobody's, no, they're going to go to school no matter what. He says, you mean you're going to trust the school system? And we love the school system, but you're going to put the school system and say you don't have to go to church, yeah. you know? So it, it was an enlightening way to look at it, to say, you know what? It is important to, to raise your children knowing about God because, you know, how do you make it in this world with everything that's going on, without your faith, without knowing that God is in control, that you can trust him? So I encourage you. I think sometimes, too, Tyler, you know, um, how do I say this in the right sense? Get in a good Bible-believing church that, that fits your style right. and the, the pastor that feeds you because, you know what, uh, there's a lot of great churches. I think sometimes maybe we're in a church that's not feeding you at that time. Not that that pastor's not great, but uh, I think you have to get in somewhere where you're going to grow and where you're going to be fed because, you know, I want people, when they leave Lakewood or when they turn turn off one of our messages to say, you know what, I was better for coming here. And I think that's what we need to do. But uh, Matt, you had something. You know, um, I love my perspective on getting to sit here on this stage because, you know, as I've been listening, there's a real common bond between your kind of stories. Both of you could have had every excuse to not light that light, to not follow that light. You could have listened to your insecurities. You could have made every excuse uh, about your past and how you can't make it when your mama was griping about her credit card, $300 bill and all that. But you guys, you know, basically lit that light and you uh, got past all of that. So I think everyone wants to do that. So far, it feels like the theme of this is the, you know, uh, hide it under a bush, praise the Lord program is kind of the way yeah, it, it yeah, feels yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and so. Thank you. Yeah. That's uh, your theme. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that again. Please don't do that again. You know what? I I make a commitment. I'll never do it again. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Uh, Digging deeper is one of the chapters Mm -hmm. in your book. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you mean by that? Where are we digging? What are we doing? Well, for for me, you know, in this book and and talking about Hire's Wedding and everything, you know, I I feel like it's waiting for everybody if you want it, if you want to reach up. God is always, there's always something higher. I think sometimes we get tired. Our dreams just start to, we get a little older and like, you know what, I just want to sit down for a while. Mm. Um, But that digging deeper, I wrote that because I was, I was, I was getting these ridiculous water bills and I wanted a well to, to take care of the lawn and the property. And I hired this well company to come out and... I didn't know that if they don't strike water, you still have to pay them. <laughs> so, so, so he's, uh, they came out, they dug the well, and, and it didn't hit water. And I said, okay, send me the bill, pay the bill. But they got another light bill, but water bill was ridiculous. I said, come back, try it again. He said, okay, we think water's going to be right here. I said, you think? <laughs> so they tried digging there. A little more. No, nothing happened. Got another bill. I said, forget it. I'm never doing that again. I'm just, I'm out. Got another bill a couple of months later. It was ridiculous again. I said, okay. 
drill where he said here is there where you going next drill there and don't stop until you hit water wow so he started drilling started drilling and he got so deep he's like we've never been this deep before and we don't we don't think we're going to hit it i said keep going you're going to find some water up under <laughs> you keep, keep. Now, i ain't going to pay you till you find water. Fi- and, <laughs> and uh, just and i got so frustrated i was ready to give up and i said just go a little bit deeper and four inches from wow four more inches they found an underwater spring that was that is still running all the property to this day. Wow. So that's what I mean by digging deeper in your life. That there's there are times when you've just got to go deeper. Just when you when you're invested in something and you feel that strongly this is what God has for you, this is what I'm 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 supposed to be doing, and it's as second nature to you as breathing is. Wow. When you know it's like you nobody tells you to breathe. So this this gift, this thing is in you, and nobody has to tell you or encourage you about it, even though you have to encourage yourself, it all it's always there. My, my favorite thing about the, the mantra of the studio is, is a place where even dreams believe. Because there was a time when Joseph, right? Yeah. Was in all, every, everything was falling apart in his life. Sure. And the dream had to believe for him. So I believe that there are moments where your dream will come through other people and encourage you. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you ever thought about that? Or you're riding down the street. I was pulling out a studio the other day, and I was just you know, a little overwhelmed and everything. And there's this big, huge graffiti sign on a train. Says, trust God, oh, pray. God. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I, yeah. So, so dig completely. D- digging deeper means just don't stop until you get it. And it's sometimes like, you might be that four inches away from what you're believing for. That, that's right. That's does right. Does everybody have a dream? Is does does everyone have the potential for that kind of thing? Do you believe everyone has that? I believe so. I do. I truly believe that. I think everybody has a dream, and and sometimes the dreams are just they may be small to some, but huge to them. I think everybody has, it, and I think society and life and circumstances will beat it out of you, smother it, and and take all the oxygen out of it, and make you believe that you can't. Yeah. And it's, it takes a strong person with a strong will and a strong knowledge of who they are of understanding being worthy and understanding what God says about you to keep going to make that happen. What do you want somebody to uh, walk away with after reading your book? Just just to know, because a lot of these stories are deeply personal, just to know that if I went through this and I made it to a higher level, even though I feel like there's higher for me to go, if I made it, you can too. What is your higher? Where do you, what is your higher in your life? What is the next step in love and finances and family and friendships and whatever? What is that for you? Whatever that is for you, reach for that. Pray for that. Strive for that. Fast for that. Ask God for that. Don't stop pushing until you get to that. That's what I want people walking away with, that kind of encouragement. Beautiful. That's so good, Tyler. I love what you said too about uh, you know, digging deeper because it's easy to get, you know, the start is exciting. The finish is thrilling, but it's that middle. That but, middle, man. Uh, that middle. <laughs> that middle, man. I've learned this, though. God is working behind the scenes when we don't see it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God's working the most when nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what faith is all about. Because you think, well, Joel, I'm praying, I'm believing. I've been doing this for a month or a year or 10 years. But you've got to know that as long as you're you know, being your best, honoring God, doing what you can, God is working behind the scenes. And you know, with Joseph, that was 13 years. Mm-hmm. God gave him the dream. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you got thrown into a pit by your family and yep. got falsely accused and got put in prison. Yet the whole time it said Joseph had favor wherever he went. Yes. And you never read in the scripture where Joseph had a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that I've, you know, but being thrown in a pit and all that stuff. But I would have had a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Medea would have really yeah, been yeah, mad. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, I think, but I think that just knowing that, okay, you know what? I may not understand God what you're doing, but I trust you. Mm-hmm. See, I've learned God will not mismanage your life. Right. You may not understand it, but you know, sometimes I like to think about it. it says the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. Well, God doesn't necessarily take you in a straight line right. or it would be easy. So imagine stepping stones. If I'm trying to get, you know, a hundred feet in front of me, you know, the stepping stones at some point may curve around and go the other way, you know, cause they're going to curve back around and you're on one of those stepping stones. You can say, God, I'm going the wrong way. Yeah. I promise you I'm supposed to go that way, but you got to say, okay, God, but I know there's going to be a U-turn somewhere. I'm going to trust you when I don't see anything happening. But behind the scenes, you got to know God is working in my life right now. He's arranging the right people, the right breaks, solutions to problems. And, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, in our messages too, that God can make things happen suddenly. Well, the suddenlies are a culmination of all that time you believed. You didn't see anything happening. Then, you know, suddenly the studio opens up or suddenly you know, you meet the right person, suddenly something happens. But I just encourage you, and you said it beautifully, just 
You keep believing, you keep doing the right thing when the wrong thing's happening, and at the right time, promotion doesn't come from people, promotion comes from God. That's right. He'll That's open right. the right door, so. Okay, I'm done preaching. I said you I wasn't going to do that. I, I talk about that in the book. I talk about that in the book too with the with the seeds. When you plant a seed in the ground, all you yeah. can do is plant it. Mm -hmm. You can plant it. You can water it. You don't know what's going on in the ground. Yeah. And if you go up in there looking at it, you may kill it. So while you're waiting for that, you just have to sit there patiently and wait. And one day it sprouts up. It's like, oh, okay. I planted it and there it is. Yeah. I heard you on YouTube one time and I used it. I didn't give you credit either, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you said, you said, uh, you said it was so good, and I'm not going to do it justice, but you said you can plant, you can water, but only God can bring the sunshine. That's right. That's right. And that, you can say it better than me, but the lesson was, hey, do your best and trust God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do it better than me. Oh, okay. that was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, was pretty, that was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I love the fact that you did say the dream will carry you. Yeah. If it's something that God has put in your heart, it's not going to go away. Yeah. If it goes away and you just, you know, most likely it's not what God put in your heart. Right. But that dream will carry you. And you have to look for that dream. Like right. you said, those little things will, will give you that wind, you know, beneath your wings, so to speak, to get you to that next point, to help you not thing. become weary. Yeah, one little thing. One little yeah. thing. Did you constantly look? You were constantly looking, you know, for God. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to have an expectation. We have to be looking mm -hmm. because you're not going to find what you're not looking for. Right. You're only right. going to find what you're looking for. Right. So did you experience that, how God just led you little mm -hmm. by little and those steps that were just something that really stood out to you? It was just about being aware, just uh, just having an awareness, a, a keen awareness of everything that's going on. Like, I really need this. I really want this. I really want this. Is this me? Is this you? I'm not going to do it. Oh, wait. It's not letting me go. Oh, no, I've got to do this. When I was doing those plays and nobody was coming, there were, we were, there were, in, a, we were in a building as big as Lakewood with 30 people sitting there, and I still wow. had to pay the bills wow. when I was sitting there. Wow. You know, and, and, and I'll, I'll give you this testimony real quick. I've said this a lot, but I really want people to hear it. When I first started doing these shows, you know, the first play I did was in a little theater like this, and there were 30 people that showed up, and, and I lost everything. I had car payment and so on. But out of the 30, there was someone there that wanted to invest. That's God keeping the dream alive. Wow. Yeah. So wow. we tried to do the show again that next year. It failed. Then, but there was somebody else who wanted to invest. So seven years of that, of struggling, homeless. And I would get a job in between. I'd go to work, and I'd, I'd work, and I'd say, okay. Um, then i get a call from a promoter saying, we got an opportunity to do a show over here in South Carolina. You want to do it? i go to my boss. i said, listen, I'm going to need some time off uh, to go rehearse. they said, you, you want two weeks off, and you only been working here two weeks? <laughs> So I go to my desk and I pray. I said, okay, God, am I supposed to do this? And I'd hear this voice as clear as day say, quit. Mm. I'm not telling y'all to go quit your job. I'm saying this is my <laughs> testimony. So I, I, I would go out and do the show, load the truck, bring, put the lights up, bring the set, put it up. And I remember driving to South Carolina once, and I was so excited about this show. And here on the radio, there's a hurricane headed towards Spartanburg, oh, wow. South Carolina, the weekend of the play. Wow. And I'm, I was so angry because I would get out there and do the show, God told me to quit, but then I come out here and I don't hear from you. I would, I would be back there in the dressing room, can't pay anybody, I'd be so frustrated, I'd be praying, I'd be angry, like, God, what's going on? Why, where are you? you? You told me to do this. Don't you control the wind and the rain? What's going on with this hurricane coming in? <laughs> so the, in, the, in the eighth year, the seventh year, going into the eighth year, I'd gotten really tired and I wasn't gonna do it anymore. I'd given up. I was gonna do like my mother said, go get me a job, get, work at the phone company. I was gonna be all right. That was gonna be my life. I, was, I, I had settled with that. Then I get a call from somebody saying, we got one more opportunity. The dream, believing. Wow. And the, the place they wanted to do, the, at a, it, was, it was the House of Blues. And I walked in, I said, they, they have desecrated this. It was a church. I am not performing up in here and I will not. And like, next day I go back in, all of the folk art that they had on the wall was gone. Oh, House of Blues pulled out yesterday. Now it's the, just the tabernacle. Oh, come on, come on. So I sat there. I'm getting chills there. I sat there <laughs> in, in that night doing the show, and the heat goes out in the building. And it's March 12th, the coldest night in Atlanta that had been in a long time. And, there was, and I'm thinking, God, you always bring me out here. I always have to quit this job. Now I'm going to be homeless again. And I'm complaining and murmuring. I hear the voice of God say, shut up. You don't tell me when it's over. I tell you when it's come over. Oh, as clear as day. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. And he said, get up and look out the window. And I walked over to the window, and I had tears rolling down my face. There was a line around the corner to get in the place. Come on now. And from that moment, and this was after I forgave my father, because all through those seven years, I hadn't forgiven him. Oh. I had been holding on to it. So from that moment on to now, 
I have been living in this place of watching these amazing, miraculous moments happen and watching God do things that have just blown my mind, blown my mind. I don't know if that answered your question, but I, yeah. I felt like I needed to share that. It's, you know, it says in the scripture that God didn't take the Israelites the easiest way to the promised land, basically because they weren't prepared for war. And so sometimes, you know, you, well, not sometimes, you just have to be faithful through those closed doors and, you know, through the Joseph when something doesn't work out your way. And you're learning through that experience. Yes, You know, sometimes right. you're learning through the tough, well, you, we should be growing through the tough times. You're learning, you know, how to keep a good attitude when I didn't get my way, how to serve somebody else and honor them. And I heard uh, my friend Devon Franklin, you probably know Devon, he said, you have to carry your crown before you wear it. Mm. You have to serve somebody else and be faithful there. And so there's one more thing. Uh, we have about nine minutes here, but Tyler, you talk about asking here. And I, I like to, I encourage people because I don't think we ask enough because we think I don't want to bother God. God, there's kids that are starving in Africa and God, the other people have bigger problems. It's just little old me, but we're not inconveniencing God when we ask him for our dreams. And, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, people that weren't raised in church like me, may, they may pray at Christmas or they may ask God for, you know, for protection or for some small things. And, and that's all good. But I believe you have to pray bold prayers and you have to ask God for your dreams. And it's not, it's not being greedy. It's God's given you something. He's put a gift in you. And to fulfill your destiny, it's going to take more than just you. You're going to need God's faith, a favor, and you're going to need his help. So I love the chapter you talked about and a little different aspect about asking, but you're basically saying what, what, what I talk about a lot. If you don't ask, how do you know you're not going to receive? That's right. That's right. And what you have to also have to understand about asking and people who feel, no, 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 because that's another part of I don't, I'm not worthy. Yeah. Well, no, I don't want to ask God to do this. He's God. Yes. <laughs> he, he is God. He, 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 if you put him in the box of a man, man, I get tired of you coming to me asking me to help you every day, but he's God. <laughs> but, 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 but the beauty of that and what you have to understand is that, and this is what I learned very early on, that my destiny and my dream and my goal was not just for me. There are people who are waiting for you to take your yeah. place yep. so that they can get in line to yep. what God is doing for them. So it's almost as if you don't have a choice. Stand where God wants you to so that, that, uh, that, that the saucer, the cup runneth over and the saucer that's holding you up will get those blessings as well. So, so I, I look around here and I look at people walking through these studio doors and these kids are bright eyed and bushy tailed. They're coming in, their eyes are wide. They're going, oh my God, oh my God. You did this? Yes, God did it for me. Every day before we go on set, before we do any show, we all gather together hands in hand and I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's where we're yeah. praying every day. And I tell them, listen, this is not, you don't have to do this because I don't want to be sued. If this is not your thing, you don't have to pray with us, but this is what I, I want to do here in this moment. Yeah. So you can stand over there, you go on and go to work. But to see them come into prayer, to see them believing, to see them having faith, to understand that the woman that is working upstairs, that her kid is going to college and her, her son is going to seminary school and this one's going to Africa because of something that's, that, I, I took a step yeah. wow. in my faith, and I believed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know what I love is, is you were saying, I'm so glad that God didn't show me yeah. the full picture. You know, a lot of us, everyone has a dream. We've got a little seed. But do you have any idea what God could do? Yeah, that's right. I mean, look at... Look at what God has done inside of you yeah. and, and to touch the world. Yeah. You never dreamed that. That was a seed, like a seed of a dream. Yeah. But then God, you're faithful to that. Mm -hmm. And then look what God can do with that dream. That's right. I, that's, it's, a, it's amazing. That's right. And, and, and I am a living witness that everything yeah. works together for your good. Come on. Yes. I have watched it. I have seen it. Every, from, from the tragedies and horrors with my father... If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have, to have had a sensitivity to be able to listen and hear and understand. I wouldn't have had an imagination to, that became so active. I was trying to escape pain and poverty to be able to write. If I hadn't been a bill collector, I wouldn't have been able to negotiate contracts. You know what I mean? It just, you, see, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Every moment, every moment, every moment in my life, every moment in my life has worked together for my good. And I, as I sit here now, I completely and utterly wow. understand that. We like to say every event holds the potential for purpose and destiny. Amen. That's beautiful. beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, uh, we, when we left Mama, uh, she was in the front seat. You were in the back seat. She was griping about a three hundred dollar bill. Mm -hmm. Did you ever pay um, her back? 
Uh, but you have uh, way late in your book uh, a chapter called "Remembering Mama." Mm -hmm. what, what, what's in that? What's in that part of the book? Oh, you're trying to wipe me out. Yeah. Uh -huh. Just I just just remember just the love, the love, and I could you know, as a little boy I would grab her and hug her, and, and and I could still smell her sometimes. To have I remember her calling me up crying one day. She I could, I thought something was wrong because she couldn't stop crying. She just I was like, what is going on? I just tried to get her to calm down because she had been sick for a long time. And, and I said, what's, what's going on? She said, baby, I was just calling to thank you. She had just gotten her medicine, and she looked at the price of the medicine, and she looked at her Social Security check, and it was four or five times more. And she said, if you hadn't been who you are, I said, if I had been working at the phone company? <laughs> she said, if you hadn't been who you are, I, I, I don't know where I would be. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I was, we shared a beautiful moment that day. And she lived in a fine house that she never, ever thought she would live in. And I'll never forget, she and my aunt were sitting at a table. <laughs> and she, uh, <laughs> she says to my aunt, I always wanted to live like Miss Chancellor from the, from the Young and the Restless. <laughs> And she turns to my aunt and she says, you know, that makes you Jill, my maid. <laughs> so she's wonderful. She's wonderful. So wonderful. But yeah, remembering her and what she taught me and the lessons that, that I've had. And just, I thank God that I had the love of a mother. Mm. And, I, and I feel so sorry for the people who don't. Yeah. 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 You know what I hear a lot in you is a lot of self-examination and a lot of appreciation and thanksgiving. Yes. And how do you feel about that? Do you see that has worked in your life? I mean, even that self-examination to forgive your father, mm -hmm. to appreciate the things that could be hurtful, yeah. and, and really just draw the good out of those. Do you think that's a real key to being a success in life? Oh, sure. And also forgiving yourself when you make mistakes. That's very, that's very uh, important, too. You have to learn how to forgive yourself. And also gratitude. It's all so important to be grateful in every moment. There's not a flight. There's not a time I drive in here. There's not a time I go for a walk or on my bike around here that I'm not in praise and worship and in awe. Yeah. I stand in awe. This little yeah. boy from New Orleans, yeah. I'm standing in awe. Yeah. yeah. That's so important to never lose that awe. You know, Tyler, so we have the church in the Compact Center where the Rockets used to play basketball. So I grew up, I'm a big basketball fan, sports fan. I used to have season tickets there. So every time we drive up to the Compact Center, you know, I get chill bumps, yeah. practically. I stand up there to speak and I see my old season tickets and I just think, you know, never you dreamed of sitting up there? Say it again. You ever wonder who's sitting up there? Some people are in my seat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you know, you, you, I think that's so important, though. You don't just take, oh, yeah, yeah, God gave us a compact center. No, you, you keep that sense of awe to know what God has done in your life. And I think that's what keeps the humility and recognizing that every good thing, it comes from God. Can our I Father this? in heaven. This was a Confederate Army base at one point. Wow. wow. A Confederate Army wow. base where there was a fight in this country for slavery. Wow. And God mm. has made me a steward of it. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. The goodness of God. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.